I'm thankful for Mi Familia. I'm Amelia, and one of the things I'm thankful for is my small group. He's been really good at me, and this year is putting people in my life who pushed me to be a lot stronger and a better person. I have so very much to be thankful for. God just continues to provide beyond all measure for both myself and the people I love so dearly. Going through a difficult health dilemma and having awesome support from my family and my friends, especially people at Woodlands. And I'm thankful for my, my mother and her sacrifices for the family. I am really grateful that my daughter Kate and my husband Dave have both been diagnosed with Lyme this year because now we know what it is, we know what we're fighting, and they're both being treated by a doctor that is on the case and they're getting better and we are just super grateful for that. What are you thankful for, Nora? Say it nice and loud. Our house. Our house. What are you thankful for, bud? Um, our family. Our family. Our family? Are you thankful, Ivy? <laughs> I would say as we're entering into the phase of uh, school-aged kids, uh, I've been super, super thankful for just the, the kids' ministry here. Um, so I guess I am thankful for, uh, over this past year, God's provision for, for me and my family. I am thankful for the ability to volunteer at this church. I'm thankful for our wonderful technical director, Rick, who has taught me everything I know, to my knowledge. I'm thankful for my dad's transplant. I am thankful for my family. I'm thankful for an amazing youth group that I can come to on Wednesday nights. I am thankful for this church. This past year, I decided to start my own business and God has really shown his faithfulness in making sure that I make really good decisions, that it was a good decision. And um, every time I doubt myself, God presents a new opportunity, whether it be a new client calls me or I make a business connection. It's been really fruitful the last eight months and I really got to thank God for that. And I'm just especially grateful for where Jesus has placed me within this church and the people that he's placed in my life here. I want to thank God for the poetry he gives me and for the children I teach part-time. I wanted to thank God for um, the past few months have been pretty bad because there's been some pretty intense bullying and stuff like that going on in my school and family proms. Youth group and the people that are always there, nice, they don't fix problems, but they take the sting out of it a little bit. I am very thankful for the community of Woodlands. And one thing I'm thankful for is youth group. Well, the last six months, um, God has kind of been teaching me to love Him, which has been really cool. Um, you know, I definitely always like been determined to love Him, but I couldn't really point to the emotion. Um, and He just discovered, like, He showed me all these cool discoveries about Him, and I slowly fell in love with Him. And uh, I, as I did so, I, you know, sin and sickness bother me. You hold all authority. Um, I started giving authority to Him. Uh, I've seen God's faithfulness and just answered prayer and. Uh, just his kindness when I've been uh, in my sin, God has rescued me and saved me from a uh, wasted life. When I think about the last year and when I think about all that God has done, I, I really wish my wife Nancy was here because uh, we just have been so in harmony and unison 
in this together after fighting a journey through cancer and then uh, just seeing the way that the church has responded in ways that it just really reflected the goodness of God showing us how the church is family and that how we are all united through that. So what I'm thankful for this year is this project. Uh, it puts us in a position to take a look at what God has given to us. And we're in a position now to actually uh, look at the goodness and the mercy of the Lord in our lives and then to be able to invest in this building project. For all those who are gonna come in the future, I'm thankful um, that God has given us this opportunity to invest in his kingdom right here in central Wisconsin. Hi, my name is Greg Hilema, and uh, this is my wife. Heather Hilema. And uh, we've been at Woodlands for about six years now. We, we started coming to Woodlands um, after spending some time looking for churches in the area, um, wanting to be close to where we lived. When we first started attending here, we started to really enjoy the worship um, and enjoyed the preaching. Um, and we didn't really know a whole lot of families at, at church. It's kind of easy to get lost around here, um, but it didn't take very long for us to get to know some folks who um, were, we were affiliated with at, in, in other um, situations, other circles of friends, other groups of, of individuals. And we sit towards the front um, and there's this group of people that we've gotten to know around us that really became dear to us. That was kind of the start of our community um, experience here at Woodlands. Um, it's to the point now where we walk into church and it's hard um, to get from the door to church without being mobbed by people. You know, people who want to give us hugs, people who want to talk, want to catch up and see how things are going. Um, and that's really important for, for us to feel part of that um, togetherness, that community. Um, and that kind of leads towards what's happened in our family in the last year and a half. Um, so in July of 2017, I was diagnosed with um, cancer of my liver. Um, and it is a terminal cancer. And it's one of those things where um, when we first shared that with a few folks from our church, we didn't you know, want to announce it to you know, a broad group of people. We just wanted to share with people that we knew cared. And it didn't take long before people we didn't know would stop us in the hallway and say, just wanted you to know we're praying for you. Um, and, and we were flabbergasted to try and say, well, how do you know? Who are you? And, and in what capacity do you know about our story? Um, and they're part of the prayer team or they're connected with somebody else at church who found out and they're just committed to praying and praying for us as a family. Um, the God has done some amazing things um, through the walk that we've had so far. Most individuals that are diagnosed with the type of cancer that I have have a very short time to live. Um, they have between three and six months typically. And um, we've been unbelievably blessed to have a lot more time than that and to also have the ability to think that there is still future here. There is still more time. There are still things that I believe God wants us to do yet, um, that God would allow us to be able to do here at church. And I find it so amazing how many individuals that I have a chance to talk with that um, are 
encouraging me at the same time as I want to encourage them. Um, the hugs and the words of encouragement, the tears of joy, the tears of, of uh, comfort, um, the understanding that God works powerfully and in, in amazing ways. To know the power of God. We've seen it. I've seen it in so many different ways, time and time again. And it just makes me confident that He is faithful and He knows what He's doing. This may not have been my choice, but I don't want to go back to the person I was before. I would. I want to be where I am right now in my relationship with my family, my relationship with God, my relationship with others. And if it took this diagnosis to make me understand that, then that's what he needed to do. And if he's going to do this to grow the kingdom, I'm all for it. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. You can say, yeah, there you go. Thanks. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure how you felt about me in that moment. <laughs> to, uh, and to all you folks in the chapel uh, watching as well, I just wanted to know that uh, we're so glad that we have these two rooms that we can do worship in. And just like you can see me, I can see you. Actually, that's not true. But... Um, <laughs> But it would be cool if it were true, but it's not, but it's not, not yet. Um, so let's say, that, let's say that saying again together, right? God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen, he is indeed. Aren't you grateful that we live in a nation, in a country that has created a national holiday, think about it, to give thanks? That our leaders had the foresight and the dependence on God way back when to say we need to declare a national day of giving thanks to God and to set aside a day in our uh, collective calendars to do that. I'm incredibly thankful for that. Uh, Sunday, when, if you were here on, in church on Sunday, we uh, celebrated the grace of God. That was the theme of what we were thinking about and talking about. And tonight, what we want to celebrate is the goodness of God. You heard uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Matt in the chapel allude to that. We want to celebrate tonight the goodness of God. And this is what the goodness of God is. This is what it means. It is, it is the intent of God's heart toward us. It is The goodness of God is the intent of God's heart toward us and the intent of all his purposes for us. In other words, the disposition of his heart toward us is always good and the intent of his purposes for us as individuals and as a church is always good. Some of the best books are the old, old books. This is an older book. It's a book on the character of God written by a man named A.W. Tozier. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy. Some of you may have written it. He's got a chapter in here called The Goodness of God, among other attributes of God. Here's what he says about God's goodness. The goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind cordial, benevolent, and full of goodwill toward people. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy, and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness, and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. The goodness of God is the drive behind all the blessings that he daily bestows on us, God created us because he felt good in his heart, and he redeemed us in Christ for the same reason. 
Tozer, Tozer goes on to write this for, uh, word. He says, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe, if we could just all believe that we dwell under a friendly sky and that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. That is the goodness of God. And just like the grace of God, it is celebrated everywhere in the pages of Scripture. If you have a Bible, I'm going to be, as always, in the New American Standard Version, if you ever wonder about that, uh, Psalm 145. And I uh, just want to take you to a few verses uh, that talk about the goodness of God. Uh, Psalm 145, we're going to pick it up at verse uh, 3. And here's what it says, Great is the Lord, highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will praise your works to another. In other words, praise of God keeps getting passed on. And they shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works. I will meditate. Men will speak of the power of your awesome acts. They will tell of your greatness. And next phrase, and they will eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, he is merciful, slow to anger, great in loving kindness. And then this phrase, I love this, the Lord is good to all, to all of us who are made in his image, all men and women. Psalm 31 says this about the goodness of God, and I love the way this has been inspired to be written. Psalm 31, verse 19, which says, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up, like there's this storehouse of goodness in the heart of God, which you have stored up for all those who fear you, which you have brought to pass for all those who take refuge in you. So as we walk with God, take refuge in him, we experience that goodness even more and more. And then Psalm 27 says uh, this, in, uh, in, in the New American Standard anyway. It says, I would have despaired. I love this verse. I would have despaired. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then it ends with this phrase, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. What is the psalmist implying that we are waiting for? It's the goodness of God because it's in his heart. But how do we experience that goodness? Interestingly enough, in Scripture and in human experience, what we find true is that we experience the goodness of God in two ways, two different ways, broad categories, two ways that I want to draw to your attention tonight. First of all, we experience the goodness of God in what I want to call tonight obvious ways like the testimonies you heard at the start of the service this morning when people can reflect back and say oh yeah there's the goodness of God like uh, is described in Psalm 104 where it says this uh, of a discipline that we are to practice and of course um, this time of year is especially good to think about Psalm uh, 103 excuse me it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then it says, and forget none of his benefits. In other words, call your attention the goodness of God, the obvious goodness of God. And then it lists categories. Who pardons all your iniquities, forgiveness, what a display of goodness. Who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies, so what a statement about God 
who God satisfies your years with good things. Who among us cannot look back on this past year and think about the incredible goodness that has been poured out in our lives? That's the obvious way that God displays his goodness to us. But there's a second broad category of ways that God despairs his, uh, displays his goodness to us, and that was more reflected in the second video, the story of the Helamas. And what I would call, these are the hidden ways that he displays his goodness to us. It's when goodness, which is always in the heart of God toward you and toward me, when it comes to us in disguise. When it comes to us, uh, as Pastor Steve said in his prayer, where we sometimes don't feel like it's goodness. We can't wrap our minds around how it can be goodness to us. And yet, we put this truth of Scripture together that the goodness of God always comes to us, that his purposes for our lives are always good, though they sometimes come in disguise. One of the books that is in the Bible that God inspired to be, write of, to write, to be written, of course, as all the books of the Bible, um, which always brings this home for me, that God's goodness comes to us sometimes in disguise but we know it's there, is the little book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. Habakkuk, if you are not familiar with his story, and uh, probably not many of us are super familiar with it, uh, was a, a prophet in the Old Testament who was a prophet at the time when the nation of Israel had been particularly disobedient, and God, in a gracious act of discipline, in a good act of discipline, was disciplining them to bring them back and Habakkuk had the perhaps unwanted distinction, uh, the unwanted uh, privilege, if you would, to be brought into the inner councils of God, and God told him that the nation that he was a prophet to was going to be disciplined, that they were going to go through hard times. And in chapters 1 and 2 and 3, there's only three chapters in the book, uh, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, right until the end, he's... he's telling what God has told him is going to happen to his nation and why. In this gracious but good act of discipline that a loving father had to bring on the nation. And then Habakkuk made one of the great statements in all of scripture about, the, about trust in the hidden goodness of God. Because he, he, wouldn't, he, what he was about to experience, what the nation was about to experience, very few people would call good. It would be called hard and difficult. And yet, at the end of the book of Habakkuk, here's what he said. Verse 16, he said, I heard about what God is about to do in this act of discipline. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay enters my bones and in my place I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress. It's coming. He knows it's coming. God showed him it's going to come. I must wait quietly for the day of distress and for the people to arise who will invade us. That was the act of discipline that the nation was going to go through. And then he makes this confession that's been put to song. It's been put to poetry. It is poetry. Some of you have memorized it. He says, I must wait quietly for the day of distress. But here it comes, verse 17, but though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail, 
and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He makes my feet like hind's feet, and he makes me walk or run on high places. Habakkuk declares his great confession of belief in the goodness of God, though he cannot see it. Why do I tell you all of that? Why will we talk tonight about the obvious ways and the hidden ways? Because when you head home to your Thanksgiving uh, celebrations, when we enter into this weekend of reflecting back and thinking about the past year, there will be many obvious evidences of the goodness of God in your life. But there will also be some hidden ones. There will be some chapters, some days, some weeks that you wish might not have happened. Don't ever doubt that in those days, God's goodness has not changed toward you. It hasn't. It is always the disposition of his heart. And so as you worship in your own way this uh, holiday season and give thanks, um, remember those distinctions. Remember to give thanks for what is obviously good, but also to say, God, I don't understand this. I wish this hadn't happened, honestly. He knows your heart. But I believe that you are good, and though all those things might have happened, I trust you because you're worthy of trust. This is the goodness of God and how it comes to us in many different ways. I want to uh, have you say it again with me just to affirm that again. God is good. All the time. time. He is, even when it's hidden, even when we can't see it, certainly when we can. Now I want to talk for a little bit about uh, this process that we've been through called For the Sake of His Name and how his goodness came to us in this campaign. Did it come to us in hidden ways, ways that we didn't expect, or did it come to us in obvious ways, ways that everyone could look at it and say, wow, there it is. Uh, It came to us in obvious ways. I want to tell you about three incredible answers to prayer that came to us in the course of this campaign. Uh, As we were walking through for the sake of the name, this process, we uh, invited you into 30 days of prayer And uh, we kept sending you these prayer requests and asking you to pray for five things each week. And they were often repeated and had some similarities to them. One of the things that we were constantly praying for in this campaign and in this process that we've been in is that, that God would unite us, that we would pull together as a church, that this would be this, this desire to see the kingdom of God expanded, that, that we would be united in that. Just like there's nothing more painful than a divided family, there's almost equally as painful as a divided church. And so we wanted God through this whole kingdom expansion process to unite our hearts. And so we were praying for that sense of unity. And we believe that we would see that sense of unity by an incredibly sense, uh, an incredible broad sense of participation in the campaign. So you, we ask you to go through this process to seek God and uh, you know, we had a certain number in mind that we would like to see people involved, not financial number, but just a number of families and individuals that say, we're in, we're behind this, we're praying, we're gonna walk through this process. And uh, when all was said and done, first answer to prayer, 385 of you made commitments. 385 families and individuals walked through this process. 
and you laid yourself out before God, and that's, that's an incredible, incredibly large and healthy number for a church our size. Uh, for, uh, so we are so incredibly thankful for the way that he has brought our hearts together in this. We've heard uh, stories from many of you of God drawing us together of the, the enjoyment that you had as God crystallized our vision and pointed us forward in the future. Answer to prayer number one. Answer to prayer number two uh, was we were praying uh, for a spirit of sacrifice, generosity, obedience. Maybe if you've uh, been praying through the prayer requests, you remember those phrases and uh, wow, we heard some incredible stories of sacrifice, obedience, and generosity as families wrestled with what does it mean really to live for the sake of the name? What does it mean to, for me to be fully surrendered to his cause? What does it mean in terms of my resources and what I'm willing to offer up to God? And there are some incredibly powerful stories which I hope will come out more and more in the years ahead amongst those 385 families I can't and individuals I can't possibly tell you all of them and I don't know all of them but the ones that I know just make me go they make me cry to be honest from what God has done to pour out that spirit upon us answer to prayer number two obvious goodness of God poured out on us obvious goodness of God uh, number three is we were praying that we would, that through those commitments that you made, that there would be enough money raised up to move ahead. This is like the final, are we going to do this thing or aren't we going to do it? There'd be enough money raised up to build this building. And uh, listen for it. You can almost hear the bulldozers out in the street. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because, remember, remember how it goes? From his hands, through your hands, to his hands, you gave back to him for this process to move forward $5.8 million, which is an incredible, incredible number. That's been poured out. Yeah. So, we, uh, so we had a threshold the leadership has had a threshold that we've talked about, like if we got to a certain threshold, it's, it's go. Well, we've, we're way beyond that threshold. So on, what's coming up next for us? On, uh, uh, December, on December 9th, for the next two weeks, the elders and leadership team of the church will be putting together the final proposal for you. On December 9th, we'll be having this incredible congregational meeting on a Sunday night. Uh, and then we'll be bringing to you a recommendation to, yeah, we feel like this is it, let's go, let's, let's build this thing. And uh, then you'll have a chance to say the final yes on that, assuming that you say the final yes, uh, which you will, of course. Uh, <laughs> no pressure, but you know, it's, it's, so, it's so obvious of what God has done here, and we'll talk about that on the 9th with you, that then on the 10th of December, the next day, uh, we will go from zero to 100 miles an hour in terms of drawing up plans and the architect is given a full green light to go and it will be in full bore planning mode and then we'll be, that bulldozer will really arrive here about in August and we'll break ground in December and next year at this time, they said even hopefully by the time snow flies, though it flew pretty early this year, but they said probably by the time snow flies, the shell of that new thing might even be up. 
and that's pretty cool. And then in the fall of 2020, we'll be inside of that. Thanksgiving service in two years will be in this incredible new facility. That's what we believe is coming. There are lots of people that uh, we would love to thank tonight who were a part of this whole campaign process that did a lot of work behind the scenes, but I'm not gonna thank any of them tonight, uh, being the grateful guy that I am. Here's why. Because they didn't sign up to work as hard as they did for the last six months for the sake of gratitude. They did it for the sake of the name. And, that, and there's, only, there's only one that we wanna really thank tonight. On the 9th, all those people are gonna be thanked and acknowledged with lots of applause and lots of other things. But tonight, this is the story about the one who's led us, who's directed us, who's uh, provided for us so that we can continue to seek to reach this community. And we're gonna thank him tonight. And I'm gonna invite you to join me to do something. Uh, when, I saw the, when I heard about and saw the final number, um, just by the way, you should know, uh, the agony of a pastor's soul. So <laughs> uh, last Thursday... The final total was $5.8 million, right? Last Thursday, it was 3.2, which was not nearly enough for us to move forward. And so over these last four days, God this, did this incredible outpouring of your commitments, and here we go. So I cannot personally, possibly, thank God standing up nor sitting down. I have to be on my knees tonight. So I'm gonna lead us in a prayer of thanks on my knees, and I wanna invite you if you are able to do so. If you're not, please don't join me uh, because we don't have forklifts to get people up uh, or anything. But if you feel led and if you would like to, just kind of get up, turn around, and kneel against your seat, you can do that with me. I'm gonna lead us in just a prayer of thanks to God, and then the worship team is gonna come up and lead us in worship after that. So uh, if you would like to join me, and again, no pressure to do that, but boy, I just feel such a sense of the goodness of God that I want to pray uh, and give him thanks. So let's pray together. Father, you have so abundantly blessed this church. You have so abundantly poured out your grace for a congregation our size to offer up this amount of resources to you is an amazing providence. And we, like the people in the days of the building of the temple, acknowledge that this abundance which we've offered to you is from your hands. And all the glory belongs to you. There's no one of us here tonight that deserves praise for anything. It all belongs to you. And God, you know the desire of our hearts. You know that we want to obey you, follow you, you know that we want to see the gospel advanced in this community and to the ends of the earth. And so, Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for providing so well. We pray as we move forward that you would continue to lead us, guide us, direct us. Thank you for giving us this incredible provision. And we just worship you tonight. We honor you. We thank you that you have poured out on us exactly what we've asked for, a spirit of unity, a spirit of sacrifice and obedience, and all that we've needed to move forward with this project. So we worship you tonight, and we give you thanks in your name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. Let's stand and worship.